Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. All right, hey, get, get your Bible out. Turn with me to Acts 1. You're getting ready for the Word. Are you ready for the Word this morning? Yeah. Amen. That's why we come. We love the Word of God here. Two things I want to let you know, remind you of. Actually, we start today. We kick off 21 days of prayer. Hold on. I said just prayer. January's prayer and fasting. You're good. You're okay. All right? Don't check out right now. Okay, just 21 days of prayer. Um, as always, we... Spend some time every month at the first of the month, fasting a few days. I think that's an important, powerful spiritual discipline. We'll teach on that at another time. So join us if you can online or 6 a.m. here. We have plenty of room to keep you safe and be comfortable, and, and nothing happens without prayer. We can stand here and celebrate 40 years because of 40 years of prayer, to be honest with you. And so that's what makes the difference. And so I just want to encourage you in that, whether you're at home or you get to come on out corporately and do that. Uh, you can keep up with the schedule on the app and on the website there. But Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. here, we'll be online as well, and then Saturday at 9. And we just, we, instead of doing it August 1st, because we had the anniversary last week, you think, why didn't you just start it August 1? It'd be easier for me to track 21 days. And we thought about it, but we wanted to end it at the last of the month because we're going to have a special service the last Sunday of the month, just a, a real a worship-type environment. We're going to release the album that weekend, and we feel just kind of bringing everything for the month of culmination and just some powerful morning of worship with God. And so we just thought it'd be a great time to wrap up our 21 days. And so that's kind of the thought process there as you walk out the rest of the month with us. And come every week. We're celebrating every week. Give out, we're giving out stuff. Uh, kettle corn, that's, my, that's one of my favorites right there. Don't worry if you don't want to eat it. I told the team, I'm taking all the extra home. <laughs> I'm just in that. And I love kettle corn, but we got stuff for you all month just to be a blessing to you as a family. I want to let you know. Amen. So, hey, we kicked it off last week, uh, 40th anniversary. We're going to still continue to just honor God and, and all that God has done throughout the course of this month. And so I want to encourage you to come every week or get online with us, and we'll have some more congratulatory videos. And, but what I really felt to share in my heart this morning is I, I want to share some vision. I need to share who we are, where we're going. I, I need to make sure we all know that. Um, 40 is such a significant number. You heard uh, Bishop Franklin there talk about that. And I've actually done a lot of time studying it out. I have been for a while. And I don't know if that's how you are. If I, sometimes something will jump out at me and I'll just take a lot of time to study it out. It might be a word. It might be a, uh, a story in the scripture. And in this case, it's a number. There's a lot of amazing things uh, around the number 40 uh, in the scripture. I don't, I don't know if you uh, have ever really thought about that. Some of the obvious ones pop out 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, when Noah built the boat, right? Loaded all the animals into the ark and then it stopped. And day, day 41, they landed on dry ground, which reflected a new beginning. Amen. A fresh start. I love that about the number 40. And uh, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and then they crossed the Jordan into the promised land. So right after that 40 years, after 40, they entered into the promised land. And so I love that. I, I, I think ahead where we're going after all our tests and trials and Jesus wandering the wilderness, fasting, was tempted by the enemy. And then on day 41, he entered his ministry with power. And I love entering this next year with greater power. Amen? I mean, I, I love all that. I, I don't know when, you know, the different aspects that really have meaning in the, in the context of what we're doing. But uh, I even got so far as to study Moses when he was a baby and he was floated down the river to keep him safe. And Pharaoh's daughter found him. I don't know if you know this, but he was in Pharaoh's household for 40 years. And then he left, and then he was in the wilderness for 40 years, and then he came back and delivered the children of Israel, and then they were in the wilderness for 40 years. So isn't it, I don't think it's coincidental, the number 40, and 
And then another, another moment, I haven't really looked this up. I'm sure it's in the scripture somewhere about 40, and that's about the 40 acres right up the road in Austin for all you Hook'em Longhorns, the 40 acres, right? That's what it's called. Not a lot of Longhorns in here this morning. I'll move on quickly then. <laughs> that would get a little, yeah, okay. Hey, praise the Lord there. We're in church, people. Come on, show some love. There we go. Uh, so number 40. Uh, this morning, really, I, I thought, well, let me start with this one. And Jesus, after he was resurrected, he was on the planet came back, uh, resurrected body, and uh, did a lot of things, but he was only here for 40 days. And then on the f- day 41, he was ascended to heaven and uh, sat down at the right hand of the Father. And I thought, that was interesting. And here's what kind of rose up in my heart about this morning and really about this month in this series. When Jesus was resurrected, resurrected power, new birth, when something was birthed, it made me think about the day when Tree of Life was birthed 40 years ago, something that came in power and, and, and launched out you know, with new life, new hope, new power, new birth. It made me think of that moment. And then I thought the 40 days Jesus was on the earth, what did he do in those 40 days? What did he do during that time? Well, he showed himself to his disciples and followers and then just as people in general to let them know he was alive. And I, I believe we spent 40 years experiencing that he is alive. I mean, it's not just a good story. It's not just a a bedtime story. It's not just a myth or a fairy tale. Jesus is alive. Come on, someone. Jesus is alive, and he is well, and he's living in and through you. We believe that he is alive, and that's the difference between him and any other God, if you will, and study other religions. He's alive. He wanted everybody to know he's alive. Another thing he did, he showed up at the, when the disciples were hiding in fear. What did he do? He walked through the walls, which was super cool, and then he showed himself to Thomas. Who was Thomas? Thomas was doubting Thomas. He had lost his faith. And what Jesus did when he was there in those 40 days, he, he restored Thomas's faith. I don't know about you this morning, but when I look back on the 40 years, my faith is encouraged. My faith is increased. Look at what he's done. Look who he is. He's alive. He's a well. What is there for me in my future? And Jesus spent time restoring faith. And I want you to know this morning, you can trust him. You can believe in him. He's a faithful God. Grow your faith. Stretch your faith. I believe maybe in these times, these last 40 years, our faith has been being strengthened. Our faith has been, for some, it has been restored when it has been lost. And our faith has been strengthened again. I I know that in that time that uh, Jesus uh, went to find Peter. Peter was a follower of Jesus and denied him three times, if you know the story, before he was crucified. Then he felt so much guilt and felt so much shame. He went back to doing what he was doing. And what did Jesus do in those 40 days? He went to find Peter who had wandered away, who had kind of felt because he had gotten too far, felt like he sinned against Jesus and, and felt so full of guilt. And what did Jesus do in those 40 days? He went to find his beloved friend. He went to find his follower and he went to restore him and to forgive him and say, it's okay. And I don't know, maybe these 40 years we're finding forgiveness and we're finding restoration and, and Jesus is lifting guilt and shame off our lives. And, and maybe what he's been doing this time is as bringing together a people that thought that they had gotten too far from God or they had sinned too much. Who could love me? I'm insignificant. He doesn't have a plan for my life. And Jesus would say to you, these 40 years I've been showing you I have a plan for your life. I'm still with you. I still believe in you. You're important. I don't, I don't know if you think in terms of like that. I think 40 years of, of that time that Jesus has been spending restoring our faith and for some restoring their value and worth back into him. He gathered the disciples together and he told them before he ascended to heaven this in Acts. And let's take a look here in Acts 1. That's where I'm going to start this morning, uh, starting in, in Acts 1, verse 1 through 11. The former account I made a Theophilus of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, after he through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. 
To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and he spent time talking about what is to come. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the time of the seasons the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses of me in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, until the end of the earth. Now when he had heard these, or we had spoken these things rather while they watched, he was taken up, he ascended, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, uh, beheld two men stood by them in white, two angels appeared, who said to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in a manner as you have saw him go into heaven. He will return again. And I thought about that story and we heard it mentioned the 40 days. So Jesus is wrapping up his 40 days on the earth and we've just wrapped up 40 days. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, what's next? I mean, so many significant things in Scripture about the number 40, and everything on the other side of 40 seems pretty amazing. And I've come to the conclusion, the best thing about 40 is 41. <laughs> because it just seems to me like 40 was just getting you prepared for something. Just getting you ready. I mean, for some, it was building faith. For some, it was restoring back into fellowship with Jesus. For some, it was just becoming a disciple and being taught of the Lord. For some, it was casting vision about heaven, about the kingdom of things to come. But look at what he said, or listen to what he said as I remind you in that passage of Scripture. He said, before I go, here's how I want to wrap up 40, or how you need to start, rather, 41, is you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and power in your life. You need a little bit of power. <laughs> come on, somebody. He's like, I'm going to empower you to do the mission that you've been given to do. And so after this month, starting in September, we're gonna, I'm going to teach a series on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to teach on the Holy Spirit. Doesn't that make sense when you read that passage of Scripture right there? What should we do celebrating 40 and going into 41? Well, we should do what Jesus instructed his disciples to do, getting ready for the next, right? Well, then we should study and learn more about the Holy Spirit and power that he's given us to fulfill our mission. So that's where we're going in September. But I just wanted to remind you through that the little bit we shared this morning already is he's been doing something. He's been adding to the church. He's been adding to our family here. He's been bringing us together. He got the disciples together again. He got them all in the upper room. He got them all in unity in one accord. And he gave them purpose because one thing, other thing he did was he gave them the great commission. He commissioned them. He said, go into all the world, make disciples, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He gave them a commission or a purpose, and then he gave them power. And that's what we want to talk about the rest of this month. We have a purpose and we have a power to fulfill it. And so as we head into 41, we need to be reminded of our purpose and we need to be re-engaged or engaged with the power that God has given us. And so I want to come from that this morning, that standpoint. The series is called The Measure of a Great Church that we're in right now. We'll get another in September, as I said. I just want to encourage you, though, that in this time, I want you to just listen to the heart, my heart and listen to the heart of the founder. I'm going to share some audio clips from the founding pastor, my dad. And the heart has always been the same. The purpose and the mission has always been the same. And before we move on in this next season that Tree Alive has, we need to settle some things as a family, perhaps, or as your family. We need to settle some things, some commitments. We need to come together and make sure that we are who God's called us to be. We need to engage with the power of God to fulfill the mission of God or the purpose of God. And so I want to start there this morning 
And I want to just share a few things that probably we're familiar with and get into an uh, audio clip from my dad as we're talking about who we are as a church. Let's go to Matthew 16, 15 real quick. I just want to read this passage of scripture. We're probably familiar with it. And it's about the church. I want you to understand, first of all, when we're talking about the measure of a great church, it's not our church. It's the church that Jesus is building. And therefore, we go by, if we can say it this way, the measure of well, how he measures success, not how man measures success. Understand, we're not in comparison with any other church. We're successful only for fulfilling what God has called us to fulfill, not in comparison competition to anybody else, trying to outdo anybody else or anything else. So please don't hear that when we talk about the measure of a great church or the success of a church. It's his church, therefore, his definition of success, and it's if we fulfill it or not. And so here's what Matthew 16, 15 through 19 says. He said it to them, but who do you say that I am? Because he's been asking, who do people say that I am? Jesus is asking this question. And Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You didn't learn this on the earth. You learned this from God. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock uh, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. On this revelation of who Jesus is, there is no power on the earth that can stop it from moving forward. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. There's nothing more powerful than that. And so Jesus says to his church, I'm building a church on the revelation that Jesus is the son of God. Can I tell you that's important for us? It seems so elementary, but you know what? There's churches out there today that I don't know that they really believe that or teach that. In fact, it seems like we're getting further and further away from it. It's more like what we want to see happen in church, right? Let's, let's make church line up with our wants, wills, and desires instead of us line up with the scripture in the church what the Bible says, rather, not like a church telling you how to live your life, but one based on this revelation, the revelation of Jesus. And so this is a church that I'm talking about today, so I want you to keep that in mind. We're talking about the church that Jesus is building based on the authority of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill a mission. And the Bible says if a church, based on this revelation of understanding who Christ is in them and through them, is on mission moving forward, the great commission we talked about in the power of the Holy Spirit that we just read in that passage, then there is nothing that can stand against that. That would have been a great place for an amen or something. Maybe I should have said that a little differently. I'll change the wording next service a little bit. There's nothing that can stand against the church of God built on the revelation of who Jesus is on mission because the implication of this passage of scripture is that the gates of hell cannot stand against you. The problem is there's not a lot of churches in forward motion. So as long as we're in forward motion following the plans and purpose of Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit, there's nothing we can't accomplish. And I want to say real quick, and honestly, I had an opportunity to go. We're uh, talking, you know, we're in a time of COVID or whatever. And I was up in Austin a few months ago talking about not being, uh, had a chance to address the House committee about a bill that was being, um, trying to be passed, and it actually was, about churches cannot be deemed non-essential anymore. And part of my argument or my discussion changed as I heard everybody else out there, and I felt God just dropped on my heart that, you know, this church, number one, is built by Jesus. It's not who can man determine you know, any of that. And number two, that we are, we are a church on mission. We are best when we're on mission. How can you shut down something that is at its best when it's moving forward, <laughs> right? In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a tragedy, in the midst of a disaster, in the midst of fear, you can't stop or shut down the thing that was built to overcome that. And that's the church. 
How do you do that? And I said to him, I said, you can't have the church on the bench. The greatest disappointment was why we were shut down for two months, but look what a church on mission can do. The gates of hell, pandemics, crisis cannot stand against a church in forward motion. And people that have gathered together because you are the church. You are the church. And so that's what we heard a lot last week from our founding pastor, and I want you I want to read this passage of scripture, Matthew 16, 18, from the uh, Amplified, classic Amplified uh, version. And I tell you, you are Peter, Greek Petra, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, Greek Petra, meaning a huge rock like Gibraltar, this revelation, which is huge and movable, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the power of the infernal region, shall not overpower it, listen, or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. Amen? And that's what the plan and the mission for the church is, our purpose, moving forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. But it takes all of us coming together. I want you to hear, not just from me, but let's listen to our founding pastor as he shares his heart. In 1969, at the age of 22, I stood in a place called South Vietnam. I had never commanded an infantry company before. I had 146 men that were standing before me. I'd been in country only a few hours. I had received my, uh, my, my direction and my mission and the company that I was to take over. And as I uh, took over the company on this fire base and they, they gathered all the men together and the old company commander was standing there, battalion commander who gave me my directives I was responsible to that had numerous companies under his command was there. And we had this real quick little ceremony and I was struck with, with a sense of awe and a sense of certainly fear, apprehension. I had many questions in my own heart and mind about uh, whether I was able to provide quality leadership. And then I had, uh, was, was torn with questions about these men who had been there for a while and, and uh, were, were, some of them were, were bloodied and some were, were certainly all dirty and smelly and whatnot and uh, wondering about their effectiveness. Wondering about how, what their attitude was. Uh, were, were, they, were they working together? Because I'd had enough training and I'd had an experience the first tour in Vietnam as a platoon leader that I knew that unless everybody did their part and did it well and was concerned as much about the guy on the right and left in the whole unit, we weren't going to accomplish a mission. There going to be a lot of folks going to lose their lives or get maimed or something was going to happen. And our mission was to confront the enemy. I'm not, I'm not trying to debate this morning whether Vietnam was good or bad. That's not the issue. I had my marching orders obedient to my nation, and so were those men, whether we liked it or not. And so we had an enemy that was pointed out, and we had a mission, and we were to confront that enemy to set what we thought the captives free. And that required us having a unit identification. We had to identify with that unit, D Company 5th of the 46th. We just couldn't stray off and do this and that and whatever we desired to do because it meant somebody's life. And it meant we could not fulfill what we were ordained or commissioned and trained and equipped to do. Amen. Powerful clip. Amen. We all have to do our part. We're all in this together. Did you get that? We all have to do our part. Unless everyone did their part, we did not fulfill the mission. Unless everyone did their part, there were people that got wounded and hurt that weren't restored or rescued. There were people that lost their lives unnecessarily. But we all have to do our part. So we have a mission that we have before us, and that's to set the captives free. It's the same mission we have 
to set the captives free, the lost and hurting of this world that do not know Jesus yet, or the ones that do, that have been wounded and, and, and have gone astray, that we have been empowered and equipped and given marching orders, but it's going to take all of us coming together, working together. Hey, year 40 was a time for us to, to discover ourselves, who we are, and, and come together. And some of you have been just recently added. Some of you are still deciding. Some of you have been here for a long time. But right now, Tree of Life, is the time to come together under a unit identification, Tree of Life Church, to march, get our marching orders and go together in power and in might to fulfill the mission of setting the captives free. But we will confront the enemy, amen? We're going to confront the enemy. We're not here just to do church. After 40 years of training and equipping, how could we do anything but get up and march out into the battle together and take back territory from the enemy and rescue and set the captives free? Amen? We got to come together. And what what am I saying here as a pastor? I'm saying make a commitment. And some of you may decide this isn't the place for me. And I get that. This isn't the place for everybody. I get that. There's lots of wonderful churches out there. And I'm not even comparing. We're not comparing to another church. But we have marching orders, Tree of Life Church. And it is to confront the enemy and to set the captives free. And it's going to take all of us working together. See, God's calls people here to be a part of a family. If God's called you here, and let me say that for this way. Finding a home church is a spiritual decision. It's not your, 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 what, what you like best, your opinions, your favorite, your favorite song list or preaching style or any of that kind of stuff. Because sometimes God will put you in a place you don't want to be to stretch you and grow you. And this place needs your gift and calling. It's all of us coming together, different backgrounds and experiences. So I get it. It's okay. It doesn't hurt my feelings. This, this isn't home for you. It doesn't hurt my feelings, but it'll hurt my feelings if you don't find it. And we have a relationship with a lot of great churches. You'll see many pastors that will share a congratulatory message that we can help you find that place, but you got to find that place. Why? Because God has a, a unit for you to belong to, to identify with. Why? Because you got to get in with that unit because you got marching orders and you need to go forth and help set the captives free. So you need to make that decision, that spiritual decision. God, God sets people in families. The scripture says it's a spiritual decision, a decision. He brings all of us together to confront the enemy. We do it together as a unit, as a church family. Uh, let's take a look at this scripture, Isaiah 61, 1, New King James. The spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound. That is our mission. That is the Great Commission. Take a look at this in the New Testament, Luke 4, 18, in the Amplified. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one. He's talking about Jesus, and we are his church, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed. That is our mission. He has anointed us. He has called us to come together. And it goes on to say, I missed this last part, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. We are to confront the enemy to set the captives free. Amen. And we won't ever do it as effectively unless we're doing it together, unless we're doing it as our as a unit, I, I don't know if you heard this part or picked up or remember it when he talked about standing in front of a, a group of men that day as he arrived in the country and looking at him. And he said, some stood there before him bloody. Some of you came in wounded. Some of you came in bloody. Some of you were even wounded by other places, other churches. Some of you have been hurt. Some of you have been broken. And he said, they're standing before me dirty or filthy. Some of you 
came in just with stuff from the world on you. You, you just, you're, you've been in the world and, and, and the world's co covering you. And some of you came in that way. And just to be quite honest with you, some of you come in smelly and that's just, it's what you do is you come in that way. And, and so uh, I think our next giveaway is going to be a tree life body spray. <laughs> it's going to be spruce or pine. <laughs> but, but the reality is you come as you are. You come as you are. Different experiences, different backgrounds. That's what makes us strong together. All our differences and coming together and identifying as a unit, as Tree of Life Church, identifying with a, with a mission, a purpose to confront the enemy and set the captives free. And when we come together like that, we have our marching orders to go forth. And the scripture says that no, no demonic force can stop it. And, and that, that's the heart of this church for 40 years, to come together, different backgrounds, experiences, attitudes. We're so diverse. We, we look different. We sound different. And, and God's brought such a diversity here, and I love that. And take a look at 1 Corinthians 12. Here's what it says, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 14 and 18. It says, for as a body is one, it has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. Being many, many people, but being one body in Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So it's the same Holy Spirit, having a relationship with the same Jesus, whether Jew or Greek, doesn't matter, slave or free, doesn't matter what our colors are, what, how old we are, what our socioeconomic background is, what our denomination was or is, if anything, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as he pleased. God sets us in together. God has brought you here, then get in the game. If God has brought you here, then don't sit and just come and consume. Come and contribute. Come and be a part. We're in this together. We have marching orders. We're to confront the enemy. Hey, we're looking at year 41, and from everything I can see in the scripture, year 41 is pretty amazing, and is pretty powerful, and it's pretty awesome. But it only happens when we come together, and you want to be a part of that. You don't want to miss that. We want to come together. We don't come just to hold services. We come to change lives together. We come to celebrate God. God has brought us together. We celebrate he's brought us together. All our diversity has brought us together. And don't let the enemy lie to you that you're not significant, that you don't have value, you don't have anything to offer. Don't let the enemy lie to you. As you saw in that scripture right there, he brought you here for a reason. He set you in here. God has a place for you. He has someone for you to identify with. There's a mission for you greater than ourselves. And... He was talking about looking at the ones on the right and the left. I would ask you this morning, and don't do that because it would be a little awkward unless you're family. Look, look at the ones on the right and the left of you. Because here's what I know. We're creatures of habit. Some of you sit in the same seat every week, and I know when you're not here. <laughs> I may not know your name because I maybe I haven't met you, but I know like, hey, where's that couple that sets you know on that one section there about three rows back and about halfway in there, their seats were empty. <laughs> And some of you come in sometimes a little late and someone's in your seat. And it's like, man, your love walk's tested right there, right? <laughs> but listen, I, who are the people around about you that you see week after week? Do you know the other people in your section? You should. If you come every week and you see the same people, then shame on you for not introducing yourself and asking their name. Why? Because we're a unit. We're not just different people passing on our way to church and going home. Hey, where's the connect? We're to work together. We're to get together. You need to meet the people in your section every week. You should know if they're not here, and you should have some relationship down the road that you might just communicate, hey, I missed you Sunday. Didn't see you. That's what a unit does. That's how we are effective as a group together. And that's what we are about. That's who we are. And listen, we're here to confront the enemy. Set the captives free. We're here to confront the enemy of poverty. 
That's why we come together and we give and we serve, because then we can do mass food distributions and help people that are under-resourced and need. We're here to confront the enemy of sickness and disease. That's why when you're not feeling good, we want to pray for you, because we believe in laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover in Jesus' name. That's why we're here to confront the enemy of rejection and isolation and loneliness. We're here to confront the enemy of brokenness and broken marriages and broken families and broken hearts. We're here to confront the enemy of depression and hopelessness and insignificant. We're here to confront the enemy, not just to do church. Not just to have service, but it takes all of us working together and everyone matters. But understand, it's not just about this church because it sounds great, but God's put us here to be a part of something greater than ourselves as a church and this community and a surrounding area as well. And I want you to hear it from our founder and listen to this clip. When I was sent to Vietnam and I took command of, of that 146 men, it wasn't so that we could sit in a, defense, a defensive posture. It was so that we could go out and set the captives free, assault the adversary. But there was a time also where they would send the helicopters in and they would pick up our company and they would pick up many other thousands of men out of other companies and other battalions and other brigades and other divisions. And they had all these massive hundreds and thousands of helicopters with all these men on and together each company would fly into an area and would be expected to have a little piece of this overall operation of this big battle that was taking place, trying to win territory and to set people free. Amen? That was the intent. If my company had not worked and co-labored with the other companies, we would not have been as effective. Follow what I'm saying? Here's the sense as I stand before you that I have in my heart. God is saying there's a big action taking place. There's a big battle, a big confrontation. And I believe we're in the time and season according to the word of God where it is the end time and we're looking for the end time harvest and God is asking each local church now to rise up and be responsive to the Holy Spirit and to press against the adversary and be found doing the work of the ministry. That means you cannot do it unless you're willing to have a unit identification or an understanding that we are just not a fragment. We're together in this thing and we need to love one another, pray for one another, support one another, give into what God is calling us to do. If we're going to rise up and fulfill a commission and be the great church that the Lord has designed and ordained for us to be, or we can sit and we can be fragmented and limp along and we can do some good. As for me and my house, we're going to identify with the rest of you as the body, as it should be. Amen. As for me and my house, like it or not, I'm going to identify with you and you can identify with me. We're in covenant together. That's the way I see it. We're in covenant together. You know, I was looking up the word anniversary, and that sounds funny because we all kind of know what it means. And one definition of anniversary was recognition of a, of a starting date of an institution or when an institution opened the doors. And I thought, well, yeah, that's a church. Yeah, that could, that could fit. I mean, we could use that. Another definition was this, a recognition of a, of a, a wedding, of a marriage, of a couple coming together. And I thought, well, I don't know. I know that one. I don't know if that one works. And the more I got to thinking about it, well, a wedding is two people coming together from different backgrounds, different ideas, completely different, different strengths and different weaknesses, coming together, serving each other, seeming the other higher than themselves through the good times, the bad times, the good days, the bad days, offended, hurt, angry, all that, sick, all that, 
and still staying together. And I thought, you know what? This is more an anniversary of a covenant, of a wedding, than it is of an opening of an institution. Come on, somebody. Because God's bringing all of us together and our different, unique abilities and ideas and backgrounds. And we don't think the same. We don't act the same. We don't talk the same. And we don't look the same. But we serve the same God. And we're empowered by the same Holy Spirit. And we have the same mission. And that is to confront the enemy. And we will not sit back in a defensive posture. Because here's what I know. The best defense is a strong offense. Because as you sit back on the defense, it only takes one score from the enemy for you to lose. And so we come together in a covenant, one with each other. And not just with us in here, but with other churches that believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that revelation we just talked about in Matthew 16. And listen, we are blessed to serve and have a great relationship, and we're going to ramp it up. We're going to initiate it. We're going to drive it if we have to, but we are determined to connect with the other churches in our area and our region to win people for Jesus Christ. We are going to confront the enemy all over this area. And we've already seen that. I just want to share a few things with you. We've already been doing that. I want to let you know that as you saw Bishop Franklin there, and we're supporting and partnering with Bishop Franklin, the MLK, we're doing other things, and we've been doing it for 40 years. Listen, we have congratulatory videos from pastors you'll see in organizations. And just so you know, this week we sent a check to the New Braunfels Bible Church who is housed in one of our former homes, if you saw the video or if you know the story. And in February, when the snow vid hit, right, the freeze hit, their uh, sprinkler pipes broke and flooded part of their building, and they're having to spend tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to remodel it. I went in there to shoot the video and saw that and was talking to some of the staff there. And so God put it on my heart to be a blessing. So this week... We sent a check to New Braunfels Bible Church for $4,040.40. We thought 40, 40, 40. That was just a, to be a blessing to them. Because we, we need them to do well too. We need all the churches that believe Jesus is the Son of God right there with that revelation to do well. And we invested in them. I don't know if you know this, but we just had summer camp just a few days ago. We had five churches here, one from Austin, one from San Marcos, two from New Braunfels, and one in San Antonio, all coming together to do camp. We had a, a fishing day. Oh, and let me tell you about camp. We had 26 salvations and 25 students filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Come on. That's awesome. Family Fishing Day a few weeks ago, multiple churches were invited and some participated. We had Pastor Gerald Brooks do a leadership thing where he had 16 pastors. We have an exchange coming up with a significant church network where we'll be inviting multiple pastors. We have food distribution that we work with other churches. The Family Life Center, for those who do not know, we started the Family Life Center years ago. They currently have 40 churches in New Braunfels that partner with them and five in Seguin. Come on, somebody. Partnering together for the greater good. For the greater good. There's a group of pastors in San Marcos that have been meeting, and they'd like to start their that family, they'd like a family life center to be started in San Marcos. We've been reaching out to the Spanish churches. We had a, uh, the Jewish church meet here for a while. I got, I got a call from a pastor on Saturday that heard our release, That's My God, and they want to know, how do we do that in our church? How do we sing that song in our church? And so I had Pastor Cody connect and send the information out, and we're connecting and reaching out to other churches. We work with so many because we're better together. We're not just trying to make a commitment here. We want you to commit and make a commitment. This is my church. This is my unit. This is who I identify with for this next year that we head into, but we're also doing the same with other churches because that's the heart of this church. That's a vision of who we are, who we've always been. 40 years, but come on, 41? 
how exciting is that? But we have to do our part. We're going to be found doing our part to reach this world. And we have to remember that God put us here on I-35, 54 acres on purpose. I don't know if you know this, but I-35 is, you do, because you drive by. I-35 is one of the busiest stretches of highway in the state of Texas. God's divine design. He set us right here for mission. I don't know if you know this, but 2016, 2018, 2019, New Braunfels was the second fastest growing city in America of population over 50,000. And in 2020, it was the third. And I know what you're saying. If you live in New Braunfels, you're like, yeah, they go to Creekside every time I do. And I was like, what's that? I know. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. I lose my salvation every time I go there. By 2022, New Braunfels will have over 100,000 people. Comal County in 2019 was the second fastest growing county, and Hayes County and Guadalupe County are all in the top five. Listen, come on. God put us strategically here. How many of you do not live in New Braunfels? Raise your hand. If you can look around, if you put your head on a swivel, that's about half sitting in here right now. Listen, we want to reach out to the community that you live in. We want to partner with churches in your community. We're not just a New Braunfels church. We're a regional church. It's who God's called us to be. We want to be a blessing around about us. We're in this together. We're in this together. We identify together to do that. In fact, in a couple weeks, I'll let you know, maybe next week, but maybe towards the end of the month, maybe the 22nd, I want to do an informal kind of phone survey. Let's just see where everybody kind of lives, and we'll get some data on that or some things we can work from. We want to expand out around about us, but God put us here by divine design. God brought you here by divine design, and he gave us the biggest sign that you can have on I-35, and now we have a digital component to that. Come on, somebody. Come on. Yeah. Amen. We're in a significant place in a significant time. We have been experiencing a great 40 years, but God's just getting us ready for 41 so we can come together on mission, identify with the, the, the unit identification at Tree of Life Church and get connected with those in your section, get connected in, in, in the You Belong classes and growth track, get connected in serving, get connected in small groups. Know the people that you're to identify with, the one on the right and the left, but now it's time. Let me say it this way. Now it's time to cross the Jordan River into the promised land and confront the enemy in Jericho. Now it's time to cut the head off the giant as Goliath challenged the children of Israel until David came on day 41 and cut his head off. Now it's time to confront the enemy and set the captives free, but it's going to take all of us coming together and working together to do it. And that is what makes us great in the eyes of God. Are we fulfilling what God has called us to do and fulfill? Not great in comparison to anyone else, but in our mission by his measure of success. Are we living up to our purpose? Are we rising up, coming together, confronting the enemy and setting the captives free? You are the measure of a great church. And I want to play this last clip for you. You've heard bits and pieces of it. This is a little bit, each week I'll kind of give you a little bit more of where that clip came from, but let's take a listen. So we're going to be found busy as a church of discovering how to be that great church that will fulfill the vision that we have in this end time, waiting for the Lord to return. Uh, we're talking about the measure of a great church and what makes a great church. Number one, a church's greatness is not, is not measured by its pastor. A church's greatness is not measured by its programs, however wonderful and spirit-inspired they may be. It is not measured by politics either a political system or government within the church, whether it's structurally right or not and flows right and well or not, or by the politics we become involved in outside of the church. But that is not the measure of a local church. A church's greatness is not measured by its popularity, the size of the assembly that it has, or the accept acceptance by the community. A church's greatness is not measured by its polish or the image that it presents. 
A church's greatness is not measured by its prosperity or its wealth or the size of the buildings it has or the, or the beauty of the buildings or the number of the buildings or the number of land and grounds it has. Now, we want to rise to God's measurement of what a church is, don't we? So a church's greatness is measured by its people. I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about people. You are the measure of a great church. You sitting in the pew. You're the very beginning of what constitutes a great church. If greatness does not rise up in your life and heart according to the measure that God has created in you and given you, then this church will not rise up in its greatness. And it will not be able to go forth in unity and fulfill what God has called us to fulfill. Amen. Amen, amen. I love that. The measure of a great church is you. If you don't rise up to the greatness that God has put in you, then this church won't rise to the greatness God has for here. See, you're not here to make this church great. This church is here to make your life great. And we're here then to make the lives of everyone around us great, working together, coming together. And that is the mission and vision of Tree of Life. That has always been. You heard from the founder, and that will always be as long as I'm here. And then I believe beyond. And I just want to encourage you this morning, Tree of Life, as we're looking across the Jordan River, as we're standing across the battlefield. And this next season, this next year, I'm so excited. I have an excitement in my spirit of what this next year will be, but it will take all of us doing our part. Are you doing your part? Have you identified with the unit, Tree of Life? Have you come here? Is this a place for you? Have you got connected and plugged in in some way, shape, or form, capacity with your giving, serving, loving, praying, singing, whatever that looks like? Have you identified with this unit? Because you're all valuable. You're all significant. You can't say we don't need you. We need every single one of us on mission. Every single one God brings here. We need them all focused on mission. We need to be working together. And we need to rise up in our gifts and abilities. We need to pray bigger prayers. We need to dream bigger dreams. We need to rise up together and be the church that God has called us to be. Amen? Because our best days are in front of us. I hope that you come back every week. We'll share some more audio clips you hear from our founder. I just don't want you to hear from me. You need to hear the heart and spirit of who we are as we're coming together as one for this next season, as we launch out into year 41, for all the amazing things that God has. And remember this, that if we identify this as a unit together, we come together, rise up in our different gifts and abilities and go forth, there's no power on earth or in hell that can stop a church on mission. Amen. God is a good and faithful God. Great plans for your family. Great plans for this family. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.